0: Hello, gang. Bill Creasy here on Saturday of Holy Week with another episode of Scripture Uncovered. Last night, on Good Friday evening, I watched Mel Gibson's 2004 film, The Passion of the Christ. Roger Ebert, the late film critic for the Chicago Sun-Times, gave it four stars out of four. But he called it the most violent film I have ever seen. It is indeed a difficult film to watch, and my wife Anna cried through most of it. Although deeply flawed, I think, in its grotesque portrayal of the Roman soldiers, it does offer a dramatic insight into the degradation and suffering that Jesus went through during his trial, scourging, and crucifixion. Jesus was flayed and brutalized beyond anything that we could ever imagine and then he was placed in the tomb. According to Scripture, Jesus hung on the cross for six hours, from nine in the morning until three in the afternoon. He was taken down from the cross and prepared for burial by Joseph of Arimathea and Nicodemus, and then placed in the tomb. He was resurrected early Sunday morning, Easter Sunday. Now, if we understand that Jesus died on the cross at 3 o'clock on Good Friday afternoon and that he was resurrected at 7 o'clock on Easter Sunday morning, then Jesus was dead for 40 hours. Now, that's a very nice parallel to the Israelites being 40 years in the wilderness during the Exodus and Jesus being 40 days in the wilderness tempted by Satan. You know, Scripture just loves those kinds of parallels. But we might ask, what happened during those 40 hours? In classical literature, when a person dies, he or she goes to the underworld, or the place of the dead. In Greek, the word is Hades. In Hebrew, Sheol. All people, righteous and unrighteous, go to the same place, and it's a place of darkness and gloom. In Book 11 of Homer's Odyssey, Odysseus journeys to the underworld to seek advice from the dead prophet Tiresias. There he encounters spirits or shades, including that of his own mother. When Odysseus asks her how she died, she tells him, That she died of grief after Odysseus went off to war at Troy. It's a truly heartbreaking scene in the Odyssey. Over half a millennium later, in Virgil's Aeneid, Hades is more fully developed. In the Aeneid, Aeneas, led by the Sibyl, a priestess of the god Apollo, descends to the underworld to seek advice from his dead father, Anchises. Entering the underworld through a cave, the Sibyl and Aeneas encounter the river Acheron, which dead souls have to cross to enter the land of the dead. Charon, the infernal ferryman, takes them across in his boat. In Virgil's underworld, each type of dead soul has its own area. The marshes around the Styx are populated by the tragic dead infants, suicides, and those killed by cruel love, like Dido, whom Aeneas once again meets and who refuses to speak to him, vowing to be Aeneas's enemy forever. Tartarus, where those who defy the gods and those who don't repent of their crimes are punished. And the Elysian Fields, where the good dwell in peace and comfort. Virgil, of course, becomes Dante's guide in his journey through hell, purgatory, and heaven in the Divine Comedy, the greatest and most fully developed vision of the afterlife. Among first century Jews of Jesus' day, the concept of the afterlife was, well, somewhere between that of Homer and Virgil. The best picture of what we have is the story of Dives and Lazarus, In Luke chapter 16 verses 19 through 31. You know the story, but here it is. I read to you. There was a rich man who was dressed in purple and fine linen and lived in luxury every day. At his gate was laid a beggar named Lazarus, covered with sores and longing to eat what fell from the rich man's table. Even the dogs came and licked his sores. The time came when the beggar died and the angels carried him to Abraham's side. The rich man also died and was buried. In Hades, where he was in torment, he looked up and saw Abraham far away with Lazarus by his side. So he called to him, Father Abraham, have pity on me and send Lazarus to dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue. I am in agony in this fire. to us. He answered, Then I beg you, Father, send Lazarus to my family, for I have five brothers. Let him warn them so they will not also come to this terrible place of torment. Abraham replied, They have Moses and the prophets. Let them listen to them. No, Father Abraham, he said, but if someone from the dead goes to them, they'll repent. He said to him, if they do not listen to Moses and the prophets, they will not be convinced even if someone rises from the dead. Well, of course, Jesus was raised from the dead. But the church believes that during the 40 hours that Jesus' body lay in the tomb, Jesus himself journeyed to Hades and preached to the souls there releasing them from the land of the dead and bringing them into the presence of god bringing them into paradise in saint peter's first epistle he writes since christ suffered in his body arm yourselves also with the same attitude because whoever suffers in the body is done with sin As a result, they do not live the rest of their earthly lives for human evil desires, but rather for the will of God. For you have spent enough time in the past doing what pagans choose to do, living in debauchery, lust, drunkenness, orgies, carousing, and detestable idolatry. They are surprised that you do not join them in their reckless, wild living, and they heap abuse on you that they will have to give account to him who is ready to judge the living and the dead. And listen carefully here. For this is the reason the gospel was preached even to those who are now dead. Now that's 1 Peter chapter 4, 1 through 6. Add to that St. Paul's epistle to the Ephesians chapter 4, verses 7 through 9, where Paul writes, But to each one of us, grace has been given as Christ apportioned it. That is why it says, When he ascended on high, he took many captives and gave gifts to his people. What does he ascended mean? Except that he also descended to the lower earthly regions. Now from those two passages of scripture, we get the concept of the harrowing of hell, of Jesus, descending to the land of the dead and freeing its captives, those righteous people who lived before Christ's sacrifice on the cross, Adam and Eve, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, David, and so on. Indeed, the Apostles' Creed and the Athanasian Creed, both from the 4th century AD, state, as a matter of Christian doctrine, that Jesus descended into hell. Well, the harrowing of hell is not mentioned much anymore. It's omitted from the Apostles' Creed that we Roman Catholics recite at Mass every Sunday, although it's mentioned briefly in the current Catechism of the Catholic Church. But the harrowing of hell became an enormously popular theme during the Middle Ages in both literature and in art. Countless passion plays and illuminated manuscripts of the breviary portray it in vivid detail. And that brings me to the second reading in the Liturgy of the Hours Office of Readings for this morning, Holy Saturday. It's from an anonymous ancient homily. Now, I prayed the Office of Readings this morning. And I thought it was well worth sharing the reading with you. So, Here it is, from an ancient homily on Holy Saturday. Something strange is happening. There's a great silence today, a great silence and stillness. The whole earth keeps silence because the king is asleep. The earth trembled when it was and is still because God has fallen asleep in the flesh and has raised up all who have slept ever since the world began. God has died in the flesh, and hell trembles with fear. He has gone to search for our first parent, as for a lost sheep. Greatly desiring to visit those who live in darkness and in the shadow of death, he has gone to free from sorrow the captives Adam and Eve he who is both God and the son of Eve. The Lord approached them, bearing the cross, the weapon that had won him victory. At the sight of him, Adam, the first man he had created, struck his breast in terror and cried out to everyone, My Lord, be with you all. And Christ answered him, And with your spirit. He took him by the hand and raised him up, saying, Awake, O sleeper, and rise from the dead, and Christ will give you light. I am your God, who for your sake have become your Son. Out of love for you and for your descendants, I now, by my own authority, command all who are held in bondage to come forth, all who are in darkness to be enlightened, all who are sleeping to arise. I order you, O sleeper, to awake. I did not create you to be held prisoner in hell. Rise from the dead, for I am the life of the dead. Rise up, work of my hands, you who were created in my image. Rise, let us leave this place, for you are in me and I am in you. Together we form only one person and we cannot be separated. For your sake, I, your God, became your son. I, the Lord, took the form of a slave. I, whose home is above the heavens, descended to the earth and beneath the earth. For your sake, for the sake of man, I became like a man without help, free among the dead. For the sake of you, who left a garden, I was betrayed to the Jews in a garden, and I was crucified in a garden. See on my face the spittle I received in order to restore to you the life I once breathed into you. See there the marks of the blows I received in order to refashion your warped nature in my image. On my back, see the marks of the scourging I endured to remove the burden of sin that weighs upon your back. See my hands nailed firmly to a tree for you who once wickedly stretched out your hand to a tree. I slept on the cross and a sword pierced my side for you who slept in paradise have brought forth Eve from your side. My side has healed the pain in yours. My sleep will rouse you from your sleep in hell. The sword that pierced me has sheathed the sword that was turned against you. So rise, let us leave this place. The enemy led you out of the earthly paradise. I will restore you to that paradise, but I will enthrone you in heaven. I forbade you the tree that was only a symbol of life, but see, I, who am life itself, am now one with you. I appointed cherubim to guard you as slaves are guarded, but now I make them worship you. The throne formed by cherry beams, awaits you. Its bearers swift and eager. The bridal chamber is adorned. The banquet is ready. The eternal dwelling places are prepared. The treasure houses of all good things lie open. The kingdom of heaven has been prepared for you from all of eternity. Have a blessed holy Saturday, gang. I'll see you again tomorrow on Easter. Bye-bye now.